Well, let's go to Acts chapter 10. We're going to finish up in chapter 10. We finally get out of chapter 10 today, maybe. All right? We're gunning through this at a rapid speed. There's so many more messages, y'all know, that are still in here that we haven't touched, but we have to do what we can do when we can do. All right? So let's get into Acts chapter 10, and your notes should be in your bulletin, and, and we'll, we'll get that there, and, and we'll get going. So Acts 10. And we need to back up just a little bit. I said 24, but I, I probably didn't tell the whole truth. I need to back up from a title sermon to verse 20. So this is Peter has a vision. And y'all know this is like a, instead of a sheet, I used to think when I was a kid I read this, it was a bed sheet came down. So we're back up to verse 20. And the sermon today is without a doubt. You ever had something without a doubt? You knew this without a doubt. You ever said that growing up? I know without a doubt. Well, this sheet I thought was a bed sheet that came down because mom always hung out clothes on the back lines when the rooster wasn't chasing her across the yard. And uh, hang out the bed sheets. And so I thought it was a bed sheet back in the day when I used to read this. But it's actually like a prayer shawl that would come down. And on this prayer shawl, I've heard it talked about this message. This is about when the Jews could finally eat, as we talked about last week, a ham or bacon sandwich. This is not, what is, this is not about food at all. But God had to actually show Peter something because he's taken him to a whole other level in his belief and in his system. He's got to get rid of some cultural stuff that he's been taught before he can actually receive the things of God, that God's moving him forward. Did you know you and I have to do the very same thing? We're all at a place of learning in our life. You never stop learning from the Word of God. God's trying to take you somewhere today if you would just listen to what he has to say to you. Now, don't listen to me necessarily because of God. Sometimes when I'm listening to preachers preach, I kind of get distracted and I take off and God sends me on a journey through the Word of God. But I hear from God what he wants me to hear that day. And by the way, brothers and sisters, listen, God is still, listen, he's still, he's still speaking every, every single day. The problem is you and I aren't listening. Amen? So let's listen to the word of God. Let's make it to verse 20. And this is where our sermon title starts. Arise, therefore, and go down and, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he who you seek. For what reason have you come? Peter had no clue why they're there other than what the Holy Spirit told him. Remember, an angel told Cornelius that go get Peter down to the place in Joppa. Go to the place. And by the way, if you know Joppa, the beautiful place, you know there was another prophet there back in the day, around the way. What was his name? Jonah. Jonah was supposed to go down. What was he supposed to do? He was supposed to take the message to where? Nineveh. Take it to the people. Take it to the people who cut off your thumbs, cut off part of your tongue, and cut off your big toes. You know that's what the people of Nineveh would do? When they would take over and they would defend, uh, defeat an army, they would take the men, they would cut part of their tongue, they would cut their big toes off, and they would cut their thumbs off. Why? Because it was a shameful thing, and you can't try to balance something without a thumb. Try to walk properly or run properly without a big toe, and try to speak properly without your tongue being normal. They were mean, they were evil people. They did a lot of other disgusting things to humans. But yeah, there was, a, there was an Old Testament prophet who was supposed to go down and take the word of God out as well. Well, here we come. Peter's... He says, listen, he read the story of Jonah, I'm sure. He knew it as a boy. I'm going. God said, go, I'm going. Verse 22, and then they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them and lodged with him. On the next day, Peter went away from them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. All right, so here's what has to happen. Get this in your mind before we get on, because you've got to understand, oh, this is just a nice story in the Bible. It's not just a nice story. Peter's staying with Simon, a tanner, a man who actually tans hides, not spanking children. That's what they used to call it when I was a kid, when you got your hide tanned. Did anybody ever heard that before? That means you got a spanking. 
they tanned your hide, you didn't want that. That means you're going to get, you couldn't walk uh, straight normally after that. But he was a, a man who actually would work with dead animals. He would skin the animals. He would tend the hides and sell the leather. Peter now had to break himself down. He actually had to stay at a man's house who did, he touched unclean things. That had to be a cultural break for Peter because Peter was thought, never, ever touch an unclean thing. A dead animal or a dead body, don't do it. But now he's heard from Jesus. He's walked with Jesus for three years. So he invites these men to stay. Now he's inviting Gentiles to stay in the house with him. Now he's come to the place. What did Peter think about Rome? Did you know, by the way, did you know what he thought about Rome? Did he love them, like them, or leave them? Yeah, leave them. Because remember they asked, Jesus, is now the time that you're bringing the kingdom? Right? Because they thought it was a governmental control because Rome had come in and sacked Jerusalem and all the known area of the time. Rome had put an outpost. It was Rome away from Rome. Here in uh, Caesarea, we see what we're looking at. Uh, Rome had come and put an outpost here, and now here is this man of the Italian regiment. He sent some people to Peter's, to Simon's house, and Peter invites them in. What did they talk about all night? You ever thought about that? It was late in the afternoon, it wasn't time to travel, so they had to talk about something. They didn't just go to bed. Where did they sleep? So they had to have, had to have dinner conversations. So I want you to understand, Peter is completely out of his element. His culture has told him, you cannot mess with these people who mess with dead animals. You cannot mess with people of another race. You can't not go into people who are not Jews like us. Even if you go to Samaria, don't mess with those people because they're 50% us and they're 50% something else. They're a mixed race. Don't mess with anybody outside the chosen people of God. We are the people of God. You understand what his culture taught him growing up? And now here he is, he's seeing the gospel take off to Samaria. And he's seeing the gospel take off to Ethiopia. Peter's getting blown away because God is exposing that he doesn't know everything. And God's taking him somewhere, and Peter said, listen, I'm going to go. He, he jumps up, and here's what he does. Verse 24 is we're going to pick up. And the following day, uh, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together. Who did he call together, church? His relatives and his close friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him, or had reverence for him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, stand up. Oh, by the way, when, you, when Peter lifts him up, what does he have to do? You ever help somebody up? He had to touch a Gentile. Now, don't, now, he, now he touched the man, right? He's unclean, double, triple, ever how many times you see here, he's unclean for staying with Simon. He's unclean for talking to those Gentiles at the door. He's unclean for letting those Gentiles stay with him. He's unclean for traveling with Gentiles. And now he's unclean because he's talking with a centurion and he touched that man. So all this stuff's going on in his mind. He was a real person, by the way. Y'all know that? Peter was a real person. And he had real struggles like you and I have. But he's come to the place he held him up. He says, listen, what does he tell him clearly? But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And he talked with him. There's another strike. And he went in and found many others who'd come together. Now he's surrounded by people different than him. But he did take some boys with him just in case, right? If you keep reading, you'll see in chapter 11, he took six from Joppa. And you'll see in your notes, I, I had a little fun with that. Verse 28, then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with you or go to, one another, go to another nation. He just had to put it out there in front, right? Y'all know that I can't be here because of our father's traditions, because of the traditions of our religion. I can't be with you people. Is that right? You ever been there? You ever been forced in that situation? 
This is how people are teaching today that the races can't come together, that we can't come together as the people of God because we have my denomination and I have my culture and I have my decision that I need to make. But here's what I want to encourage you to do today. Take whatever you've been taught, take whatever you believe, take whatever has been balanced between your fathers and your traditions and put them against the word of God and see what it says. And if you do it God's way, what do we get, church? God's results 100% of the time. Do it God's way, get God's results 100% of the time. He said, well, I don't like that. Well, Peter didn't necessarily like it either, but he had to adjust. Let's read it again. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one, another, one of the, another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And God showed me that I was prejudiced. God showed me that I was, and I had to actually fix that. And by the way, he says unlawful. He's not talking about the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, how the Jews had to learn to live. It was not unlawful from God's law. It was unlawful from man's teachings, from the tradition of the elders when they said, hey, this is what we'll do. They took God's law and they added all this other stuff on top of God's law and made it their law, and therefore they preached it as God's law. Do you understand? So when Peter says it's unlawful, he wasn't saying God said I can't do this. He's saying all my elders and my forefathers said I can't do this. It's my understanding that I can't be here. You think Cornelius cared? What did he want to hear from? He wanted to hear from God. Watch, well, I'll show you. You can actually keep reading. You'll see the answer. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? Here's Peter asking a second time. Why am I here? Why did y'all call for me? And Cornelius is going to give an answer, and so is the Holy Spirit. Listen, watch this. He can't just answer so Cornelius is going to tell him a story. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose name is, her surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes... He will speak to you. So I, sent, uh, you so I sent for you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by whom? By God. So why are you here? You've got to preach whatever God put on your heart. That's why old preachers always tell preachers, hey, be ready to have a message on your heart, right? What is the message you should always have ready? As a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I don't care if you're 10 years old, or if you're 70 years old or plus, or in somewhere in between, or anywhere greater or less than. If you're a Christian, what message should you have on your heart ready to go? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, sinful, listen, sinful people sinned against God. Sinless Jesus Christ came. He died on the cross. He was buried, and three days later he rose again, and he lives forevermore to save those who will be saved. That's the message we have to have ready. So Peter's like, what am I here for? What am I here for? Why did y'all call for me? And they said, we want to hear from God. Now, can you hear from God when another human speaks? The answer is, if that person is speaking by the influence of the Holy Spirit, if God has actually said something to that person through that person, listen, you'll hear what God has to say. But if they're just speaking about my personal stories, let me tell you my stories, my story, my story, that ain't led by the Holy Spirit. You have to speak the truth of Scripture. When Richard talked about there's nations still that don't have the Word of God, you have to speak the truth of Scripture to actually have heart change. You take the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God, and they both bring glory to the Son of God, that God the Father might be glorified. 
Amen? You see what happens? You take the Word of God, you apply a little bit of, it's like making a good grilled cheese, right? A little butter, a little cheese, a little bread. Put them together, what you got? Good Saturday afternoon lunch, right? A snack. Come to the place when you put the Holy Spirit and the Word of God together. Listen, if you emphasize the Spirit of God over the Word of God, what happens? People are sensationalists, aren't they? They'll, they want to holler and scream and just make the most, make the biggest show you possibly can and call it the Spirit of God. But if you also got the people who just emphasize the Word of God all the time and not the Spirit of God, you get dry, legalistic people who won't do nothing besides the Word of God. I haven't read that today. I don't know what that says. And they have rules, rules, rules. Nothing goes. Anything goes. Let's go. Do whatever you want to do. Before I became a Christian, Wendy and I visited the church. and Remember that church? And they said, we're non-denominational. We want everybody to know we don't have any denomination here. And you just do whatever you want to do when the Spirit moves you to do it. And I'm telling you, Tom, the first drop of the drum and electric guitar, this woman in a dress started cutting flips. When did she cut flips? She was doing somersaults, flips. I'm like, I went to Christian. I'm like, what in the world is this? I said, the Spirit of God's telling me to get out of this cookie place. We went and got our kid out of the nursery, <laughs> Alex out of the nursery. They didn't want to give us our kid. I thought we was ready to go to war. He talked about war in the nursery. And I know we have nursery workers, but I was about to take it down because my kid was in there. I'm watching this chaos going on, going, this, what in the world is this? And I was, God was working on my heart, drawing me to, like Cornelius to himself. So church, we've got to be careful. One time the church service can actually be so legalistic that we push to the point we push people away. But also it can be such a circus that we push people away going, what in the world? I didn't pay any money to get into this show, right? It must be the Spirit of God and the Word of God coming together that we actually do things in order in the presence of God, that we bring Him glory. Yes, it should be more spirit. Listen, Baptist churches, we're the worst because we got to get it up, right, to the point of actually, listen, letting the Spirit move you and, and clap your hands and praise the Lord. I remember when we were young, they would always call my dad Baptocostal because he would, there's a lot of amens going on when you're preaching the Word of God. If God speaks something true from the Word, you should agree with that, that God actually turns in your heart, that you're going out and saying, listen, let me tell you what I learned today. We should make application. So Cornelius said, listen, we want to hear from God. Verse 34, let's look at it again, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth, and by the way, to share the gospel, you must open your mouth, amen? You can't say, just watch me, and hopefully my, my personality just makes you love Jesus. You must open your mouth and share the gospel. You must preach, you're a sinner, that Jesus Christ is sinless, and no matter what CNN anchor Don Lemon says, Jesus Christ was perfect, amen? Crazy, person trying to say that Jesus had faults, that Jesus was a sinner. Only a man that's sinful could say that. Amen? But we, listen, pray for him. There's, there's a chance for his salvation. And when someone like Cornelius or someone like this man comes to Christ, watch what happens. Their lives are changed forevermore. Not only their lives, they change other people's lives as well. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. What's he saying? God's not prejudiced like me. That's what he was saying. Or like you, by the way. It could be you. Listen to this. If you got prejudice this morning, I hope the Holy Spirit punches you right in the mouth, right? With love, of course. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Get that again. Verse 35. But in every nation who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, 
how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Verse 39, And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to, not, uh, to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank in, with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us. Get that straight. He, Jesus never made suggestions, by the way. God doesn't suggest that you do these things. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is who who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that. Through his name, whoever believes in his name or believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sins. There's only forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ alone. Amen? There is but one name that every knee must bow. Listen, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You say, not me. You'll find out, big boy. All right? You'll find out, young lady. Right? Lady. Senior adult, you'll find out. The Bible says every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Everybody will bow their knee and say, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Whether you believe on him or not in this world, he will bow your knee. You will bow your knee because he will make you bow your knee. Because he is creator God. We are little such little people. And he's a great big God. Listen, why would we actually turn from him today? Because we're stubborn, we're hard-headed. People don't come to Christ. You know why? Because they don't want to. That's the whole reason people don't come to Christ. Why does Jesus have to draw us to himself? We're going to see. Because we wouldn't come any other way if he didn't offer us an invitation. We're going to see this. Listen, go back to your notes for a second. And I'll come back and finish the last portion because it's very important. There's some heavy doctrine in this last part. We must, and doctrine just means teaching, y'all. There's some heavy teaching we need to get down because we form denominations based on just portions of Scripture. And we must, listen, come together as a people under the whole counsel of God. Is that true? If the Lord speaks, you've got to actually have the whole counsel, not just a part of it. And don't build your doctrine off one or two verses. You've got to go in and say, does the word complement that word? And the answer is always yes. Look at your notes real quick. Too many times in our lives we count God's intervention in our lives as consequence. Is that true? God's working daily to draw us to himself. Every single day, God's at work. When you're sleeping, God's at work. By the way, when God's working here, at the coast, in the Mediterranean coast. Is he also still working in Samaria? How about down in Ethiopia? Is that old boy still preaching the gospel? He's preaching to all of Candace. Queen Candace, he's telling the whole court about Jesus Christ. He's having opened probably revivals back in the day. Listen, he's preaching in, in, in Africa, and now we're going up to uh, Samaria, and now we're preaching over in Jerusalem. People are still preaching. God's working all over. We just have a snapshot, if you will, a Polaroid, a time, uh, preaching time that we see here that's happening at the coast. God's working daily to draw us to himself. It is our opportunity and privilege to look and see where God is at work and then to join him. And these two men we're looking at today, listen, I want you to see, you might be, you might be, find yourself like Cornelius. You're a religious man. You're a religious woman. You know all the stuff that we know and you know all the things that the, the Bible drills. You've been to vacation Bible school. You got the 70 pins that said you've been to Sunday school for back in the day. Y'all remember those pins? People would walk around like this. Who had, who had those pins? Come on, let's tell us here. Who had the pins? Preacher's kids got the most because we had to be there every Sunday. All right? You'd have the, y'all, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. You had these little gold pens that said, I was in one year perfect attendance in Sunday school. 
You got a whatever, five year, 10 year, 15, 20. Sometimes people walk in like this. They want to show you they've been in church, right? And a lot of times the people who have the most were the most ungodly people. Amen? Church people are mean people. Christians who come to church, listen, should be godly people. We can still hurt each other. But if the Holy Spirit convicts us, we'll come to you and say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? A church person won't ever ask you to forgive them. They'll just run you down deeper and deeper. Because the Bible says, and Paul said, listen, be careful. And Jesus said, be careful. Listen, there's wolves who come into the church in sheep's clothing. They're church people. They're not Christians. There's a difference. If you come to the place to devour and tear apart, pick apart everything that goes on, like the emails and stuff that I get, listen, those are church people or, or non-church. Now, you can't tell the difference because they're not saved. Cornelius was a church person. He, he liked God and the things of God, but he never had an encounter with Jesus Christ. But he was willing. He, he came to the place that he was willing. And then you had Peter, who absolutely had come kicking and screaming. By the way, how did Peter get called into the ministry? Jesus himself called him and said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. So you got a fisherman businessman talking to a Roman centurion but that he doesn't like. One, because of his race. Two, because of his position. Remember, the Jews hated the Romans because they come in and occupied their land. They were waiting for the day that God was going to take over. The Messiah was going to come and take over the land. They were waiting for it. Let me show you these things. We must read the scriptures. Look in your notes real quick. John 6, 44. If you would go with me there. This is very important. If you, don't, if you mark your Bibles, let me encourage you to mark your Bible in this. Because you got some friends. When you share the gospel, your job is, if God puts somebody on your heart, he's already preparing their heart to hear the message that you have. And your message is simple. Let me go and tell you what your message is before you leave. Before you have that Monday morning appointment or that Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday appointment. Your message is that you must be born again. Your message is that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven and we're born sinners and we must be forgiven of our sins. Jesus is the only answer for your problems. Jesus is the answer that we actually must give to people who have questions about why is my life so evil, so dark, so whatever it might be. Go to John chapter 6. I want you to see this and look at your Bible. A man called to himself to be set apart. God was called this man. He could not seek God until God drew him. You can't say, today I will accept Christ. Tomorrow I'll do it. I'll do that tomorrow. You will not because the word of God says you will not. Amen? 644, watch what the word of God says. And look carefully. No one, this is Jesus speaking, and you can read the rest of the scripture before and after this. No one can come to me, that's Jesus, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Can anyone come to Jesus unless the Father draws him? The answer is no. The end no. Pick a continent, pick a people group, pick your neighborhood. Nobody will come to Christ until God draws them. Even today in a service like this, God has to draw you to himself before you to be responding yes or no. Now, does he give us an opportunity to respond? That's the biggest argument, one of the theological arguments we have in our churches today, isn't it? Does God do all the work and we do nothing? Or do we do all the work and God doesn't? God just makes an offer and puts it out there like a contract. Will you buy it or not? The answer is, listen, God's at work. God has to draw you. The scripture is clear for that. But also it says in 1013, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. You're going to heaven because you called, because you did your part. God's always going to do his part first, and we have a chance to respond, and you and I have a chance to respond to God. Look at 665. This is, this is, you can't get any clearer than this. And by the way, I'd read the whole chapter if I were you, if you have an opportunity. Verse 65, 
And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. Who can come to Jesus except God grants it? The answer is no one. No one. And then finally over in 1 Corinthians, you say, well, I don't understand how that works. I, I, I know what the word says, but I don't understand it. But you might be careful when saying that, okay? Go read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are not spiritually discerned. You cannot know this word. You cannot know the word of God. You cannot know the Bible unless you're a Christian. Do you understand? And you cannot become a Christian until God draws you to himself. Do you understand? So when you come to a place like this, you come to a good place because the Spirit of God is here. And his word is saying, listen, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. His word says you are a sinner in need of a Savior. His word says that Jesus came as the perfect gift from God, as the perfect substitute for you and for me. He never sinned, that for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Children can understand that if God draws them through that word. You won't hear the truth until you have the word of God. Brothers and sisters, listen, I just gave you the word this morning. And if you're lost, if you're lost, undone without Christ, you say, I don't understand that. You can't understand it. Until God draws you. But when God is speaking to your heart, then and only then can you respond. And when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you must, listen, you must. You're saved. You're going to heaven when you die. But you must be baptized by water. You'll see and you say, well, how do you know that? The word of God says so. Go to all the nations. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them everything I taught you. Remember, I'm with you always. So you can't know the word of God until you're a Christian. And you can't become a Christian until God draws you to himself. And you won't become a Christian and God won't draw you to you hear the word of God. God might prepare your heart like Cornelius and say, listen, there's some things I want to do. I'm doing good deeds. I'm very religious. And God says, listen, you need to go see so-and-so. That's why our missionaries, many times people say, listen, Muslims are coming to our Christian missionaries saying, I had a dream. And I had a dream about a person that was you. And they come and actually ask, tell us what the dream is about. What are our missionaries doing? We had a good missionary friend. He was in Myanmar. And he came to the place, and they said there was witch doctors, uh, whatever, they had a different title, but they were witch doctors. Shamans, very strong there. And said the village only had three flint rifles, basically like pellet guns. And they only had three lead shots, is all they had. So there was always a danger of tigers coming into their village. And he came to the place and said, listen, uh, we've got to get from village to village, and, and there's war. If you know anything about Miramar, it's always been anybody on the outside, you get killed. They're going to kill you. Well, he comes into the village. He's walking towards the village, and the scout comes out and says, don't come into the village because they're going to kill you. And the missionary says, listen, I've come. And this man had solid white hair, solid beard. He's a hilarious man. God's used him in miraculous ways. So he goes into the, he said, we've got to go. God's called us. We're going into the village. Well, they come into the village, and of course, they quickly surround him, bring him to the chief of the village, and the chief is shocked when he sees who he is. The chief falls down, and everybody's falling down with him because they're like, what's going on? And he says, um, our traditions, now they're not a written language, our traditions tell us that there's a white man with a white beard and white hair going to tell us the truth from God, their version of God. And they ask the question, are you that man? And he says, what do you do? 
I mean, ancient traditions passed on with these people of Miramar. They look nothing like him. Are you that man? If he says no, he's going to get killed. And if he says yes, he's got to have a message. Amen? So he said, I looked around, I thought, God, I don't want to presuppose, but did you choose me years ago before I was even born to preach the gospel to these people? And he said, I said, yes, I'm that man. And they're like, we want to hear from God. So he preached Jesus to them, the chief, and many people, not everyone, but many people were saved in that village because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because of that man. He's still alive today. You can actually have that conversation with him. Then the shamans come in and said, listen, if you worship this new Jesus that this white man's brought to our culture, then I'm going to send tigers all throughout your village to decimate your village. And guess what happened? That night, a tiger came into the village. It tore the shred of the goats. And all the men had their flint rifles. Remember how many shots they had? Three. And they all aim at the tiger's heart, and they shoot the tiger. tiger runs off to the woods after it did a lot of destruction. And he says, listen, this is so hard to believe when God's working. They look for the tiger, and they said they usually can track down the tiger within miles if they shot him. And they all were sure they made a good shot on the heart. And they found the shaman dead with three lead bullets in his heart. He said, Pastor, did the man turn into a tiger? No, he didn't turn into a tiger. But I want to tell you that demons can actually, that they can show you anything you want to see. And they can cover anything they want to cover. And listen, we'll come to that place. That's another sermon for another day. But be careful what you mess with. Be careful what you read. Be careful what you're letting your children get involved in because demons are real. And this man tells the story that the shaman was dead with three lead shots in his heart. They were all sure they saw the tiger. They were all sure they shot the tiger. And the man was dead with three lead shots. You say, well, Pastor, how can that be? And the answer is, I wasn't there, but I trust this man with all my heart. This man's never been a liar. He's actually led many, many people to Christ. Get back to the Word of God. I want you to see this. Listen, Cornelius, he was here being drawn. He didn't understand the Word. Even when the Jews would speak the Word, he didn't understand into the Old Testament. Number one, Cornelius prepared for his divine appointment. How did he prepare for his divine appointment? The same way he prepared for battle. He says, at this time, at this time, a few days ago, I was in the time of prayer. He's preparing for his divine appointment, asking God, hey God, only you, listen, I want to know you. You put something in my heart, I want to know you, can, can I get to know you? Yeah, you can get to know me. Send messengers to go get a man named Peter, staying at a man named Simon's house down in Joppa. He's going to come to you and tell you the truth. Okay, I'm ready. Cornelius prepared for his divine appointment. Cornelius, listen, he called together his relatives and his close friends. That's the first people, that's your mission field, by the way. Everybody says, well, I can't tell my family about Christ because they're the hardest ones to hear. They are, but aren't they the most important to you? Do you want to go to heaven without your family? Don't answer that. Some of you don't like your family. The answer should be no. I don't want to go. Your worst enemy, you shouldn't want to go to hell. We want, we want to go to heaven. Cornelius called together his relatives and close friends. He brought many to meet Jesus. It says many were there. Many were there. By the way, your family won't come to Christ unless you tell them about Jesus. You've got to get them in a place where the word of God is preached, not sensationalized. It comes to the place that the word of God is preached. We take it from the text. What does the text say? And let the Holy Spirit speak to their heart. Number three, Cornelius was a very powerful man in society who wanted to honor God, but erred in his understanding because he had not heard about salvation in Christ alone. He didn't know. He got, when Peter comes in, what does he do? 
he drops to his knees. This is a very powerful man. And if Peter would have been a sinful man, listen, come to the place that he wasn't following the Holy Spirit, uh-huh, finally, uh-huh, Romans finally bowed down to me. This is what God was talking about, that the Romans are going to bow down, right? But he didn't do that. He grabbed me because he knew he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Get up. Brother, look, I'm a man like you. Get up. Don't worship me. Don't bow down to me. Get up. Don't you find it ironic that people are today are saying because one race or another race, you bow a knee? Does anybody find that ironic? Don't you bow a knee to anyone but the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is our King. He is our Lord and Savior. We can love. We can share like we talked about we read in Romans 10. Listen, we're to love without restrictions. It might cost you something. No, it will cost you something to love. It's going to cost you in your personal life. But he took a knee before Peter, and Peter says, get up. I'm a man just like you. Don't you bow to me. Only God is worthy of worship. Is that true? All right, number four, Cornelius prepared for battle, his spiritual battle. How did he prepare? He's reading the word of God, even though we don't understand it. How do we know? Because he knows some things about God if you read his story. And then Peter's going to tell his story again in chapter 11. He knows things about God. And he goes to the time of prayer three times a day. He's praying. He's actually, he sees what's happening. He sees these people enjoying a relationship with God. And now he's hearing the message. And he's actually responding. And number five, Cornelius humbled himself and he shared his story. He wanted to hear from God. He could easily said, I command you in the name of Rome, in the name of Caesar, you tell me what you're supposed to tell me. Did he do that? He didn't do that. Peter said, what am I here for? He says, because I want to hear from God. Is God greater than Caesar? This man couldn't say that in his time. Guess what he said if God was greater than Caesar? Because they said Caesar is God. Remember the culture he's in? People are worshiping. Listen, if you, didn't say, if you said that Caesar was not God and that God was greater than Caesar, guess what would happen to you? And this man bows his knees and says, I want to hear from God. And, of course, he hears from God. Watch what happens real quick. Peter, a man who answered God's call, Matthew 4.18, that tells you when Peter was called, Jesus said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And guess what Peter's doing today at the coast? Right here in this chapter, what's he doing? Cornelius was a centurion, right? He's fishing for centurion and the whole family. And all of his friends, his close friends are around. He just threw a line in, and guess what he's about to do? If you keep reading, he's going to hook them all, right? He's bringing them to Christ because Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is working. Cornelius humbled himself, and he actually told, listen, how many guys, ladies, you can talk about your husband. You can go and elbow him right now. Wendy's not around me. How many of our men and us men like to share our feelings with anybody, especially with other men? How many of you like to admit that you're weak? I know ladies too, but I'm, I can only speak for a man because I am one. We don't like to say that we're weak. We don't like to say we have need. We don't like to ask you for anything. Is that true? Ladies, you can raise your hand on this. How many of your husbands have drawn miles and miles out of the way because they wouldn't listen to you or wouldn't listen to somebody else? Raise your hand. Go ahead and raise them up. Wendy, put your hand down. Because we know what to do. We know the right way. How many of you actually, <laughs> who's bought some junk and gave it to your husband to put together and he didn't follow instructions? Anybody? It looks like this. It's like this, right? We don't like to be told what to do, and we don't like, because of our nature, especially Americans, we don't like to share our feelings with anybody. Because why? You might use your, my feelings against me. If I tell you how I'm really feeling today. By the way, do you know preachers sometimes come up here and we have stomach aches? Sometimes we don't feel it. Last week I was struggling. 
felt like it was in a wet biscuit factory trying to beat myself out. I couldn't get out of that mess and save my life. But somebody last week inquired about what it means to be a Christian. Did you know that? How can I know more about the Lord Jesus Christ? And I was able to interact this week and send a message to them. We, we never know what's going on. Sometimes we have bad days, but we don't like to share. Cornelius shares. Peter gets to the place. Watch what he does. He was called by God. Peter was a man who was obedient to the mission of God, even though it meant changing his cultural mind. <laughs> he had to change his mind. This is everything I've been taught that's messed me up. I was told you people are different than us. I was told we were the chosen ones. I was told y'all are the ones that are the problem. And lo and behold, here I am sunbathing on the coast, right? Talking to my, my brother here. It was amazing that Peter had to, his mind's got to go be going a thousand miles an hour. Was this a coincidence that this happened? No, it was God's divine appointment. Without a doubt, Peter goes, the Bible says in verse 20, without a doubt, he goes, Peter traveled to Caesarea with six other men from the First Baptist Church of Joppa. Did y'all know that? They baptized us. The only reason I know they were Baptists, right? All right? I put First Baptist Church of Joppa. It was just from Joppa, but they were from the church of Joppa. Why not have fun? And they had to answer the call of God. These are probably the deacons of the church. Peter traveled without a doubt. That's probably my daughter calling my wife. So she said she was going to run, run out. Peter traveled without a doubt because the Holy Spirit said so. Why do you go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the Holy Spirit says so. Amen? Peter witnessed that Jesus was at the center of his story. Whoa, here we go. Whoa, you got man to man. Peter was a fisherman. Did he like Romans? He was taught to hate the Romans because they had occupied their place. They were different than them. Now he's, here he is humbling himself, sharing his story back to Cornelius. Cornelius is a military guy. He's over at least 100 men. You think he feels comfortable sharing his story? The answer is yes. God had to break him down. Peter's here telling his story. Now Peter's a fisherman. Don't like you. I don't like you. Now Peter's having to tell him his story. Peter witnessed that Jesus was at the center of his story. He preached and testified about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Peter was an eyewitness to all of this. Peter invited Cornelius, his family, and friends to receive Jesus as their Savior. Let's read, go back to the word real quick. Verse 44, I told you we'd finish with this. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit, he fell upon all those who heard the word. He fell on them. How, what happened? Back in the day of Pentecost, you remember what happened? When they were in the upper room, tongues like fire did what? It fell upon the apostles and the disciples there. And they spoke in tongues. They spoke in languages that other people heard. And people said, they speak in my language. I understand clearly what they're saying. Not only my language, but my dialect. They spoke it the way I say it, where I'm from. You know, I mess up the language, English language all the time. I cut words. I preach fast. I don't even finish sentences sometimes. Y'all know that. And, and you, still, you still deal with me, right? You love me. Some of you do. All right. That's what it was. We hear the gospel in our language. We hear the gospel the way we speak where I'm from. Here they are. What's going to happen? The Holy Spirit, he falls. He falls upon them. No laying on of hands. There was nothing happened. It was the preaching of the word of God that fell. Listen, the Holy Spirit came. Okay, Peter preached Jesus. Peter preached Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. For your sins, you must for the remission of your sins, you must receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit falls on the people and they say, okay, listen, we, we give up. We, we take it. Watch what happens. That's Clint's words. And those of the circumcision, that's the Jews that came from Joppa, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. They're like, are you kidding me? 
We thought the Messiah and the Holy Spirit that was coming was only for us. So these six men are going, this is the same thing that happened to us. This is the same thing that we heard of happening at the day of Pentecost. They were, they were shocked. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and its languages, and they magnified God. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. Look at your notes back to number five. The Holy Spirit fell on everyone who believed. Listen, who heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Peter commanded them all to be baptized. What had they heard up to this point? Take your, I didn't put it in your notes. Go back and look at Acts chapter 1. It's worth looking at. Acts chapter 1. Back it up. We'll finish with this. Acts 1. Don't you like when Baptist preachers always say, we'll finish with this? That means there's 15 more minutes. Acts chapter 1, what Jesus was saying, and being assembled, this is verse 4, Acts 1, 4, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. By the way, the promise of the Father was the Holy Spirit, which he said, you have heard from me. This is what these people had heard, these Jews had heard this before. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Will you kick Rome out? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But here's what you're supposed to do. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't you worry about God's business. What do you worry about your business? Let me ask you a question today. If you had to grade yourself this week, this week, I know it's seven days from last Sunday, have you been about the ministry of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with your friends and family into a lost world? You say, well, Pastor, what about overseas? God's never going to send you there until you're busy here. Do you understand? When you're faithful here, then he increases your, listen, he increases your mission field there. It might be there, it might be New Ellington, or in the valley, or North Augusta, or Augusta. It might be in the prison system. It might be in a nursing home, somewhere we actually have access to. It could be, listen, God's extending your presence because most of you are on social media. Why not use that platform to bring glory to God than actually use that platform to condemn others and condemn yourself? Use it for the glory of God. We've got to be on mission with God. He's called us to share the same message that Peter shared. And by the way, Cornelius, his whole household, guess what happens? His family and friends, now they went from being lost people knew, knowing about God to becoming Christians who now are sharing the gospel. And guess where they're going to go when he retires? He's probably going to head back to Rome. And guess what they're going to do when they go back to Rome? They're probably going to join the church at Rome, right? Because <laughs> there's a later note from Paul. They were full of the Holy Spirit. They had heard that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. They had the Old Testament scripture. So you take the Old Testament. The Old Testament said, hey, he's coming. He's coming. And it was talking about Jesus. The New Testament says he has come. He did die on a cross. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He did rise again the third day according to the scripture. And he lives forevermore. And by the way, he's coming again. Right? That's what the Bible teaches. That's the simple version of the Bible. He's coming. He did come. He fulfilled his mission, and he's coming back again. By the way, we're seven days closer this week than we were last week to his return. Amen? He's coming, church. Listen, he's coming. And back in the day, listen, they used to say, Peter, we've heard that forever. We heard he's coming. And the Lord said, you just let him keep saying that. I'm coming. 
I'm coming. That's a promise from our God. Let's pray to him. Father God, you are wonderful and matchless. In your word, Lord, we see Cornelius, a man who really wanted to do the right thing for you. He didn't know how to because he was ignorant, not because he was stupid, because he was, didn't know the word of God. And he didn't know the Son of God. Lord, when the Holy Spirit fell on him, he became one of us. And Lord, his story is in the word for somebody to see today. Not only is it actually a historical narrative that it truly happened, Father, one of us might identify with him. We might have been in the military, or we might have been lost people who want to do good, or we might have been church members. We might find ourselves, Lord, being a different race or a different culture. We might come to the place that, Lord, we'd say, listen, I'll go up to this level, and that's how far I'll go, and no more. Father, you're calling us to be radically different in these last days. You're calling for your church to come together, not to be opposed of each other. Father, you're calling us to come to the place that we worship you in spirit and truth that we lift up our voice when we come together, and that we go out the doors telling a lost world about a wonderful Savior. What an awesome opportunity you have blessed us with. Lord, help us overcome ourselves. Help us overcome our, Lord, our histories. And Lord, let us focus like Peter, without a doubt, that the Holy Spirit has told us what to do. We must be about getting the mission out. Lord, we need your help. We need your wisdom because we're weakened in ourselves. We'll quit. We'll quit in a minute when it gets hard. Father, help us persevere and keep on keeping on without a doubt, knowing that the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and knowing that you promised you never would leave us nor forsake us, that you prepared those divine appointments ahead of us before you tell us to go talk to someone or anyone. And you might have put somebody's name on somebody's heart in this very room this morning. Hey, I've got to go call so-and-so because... They were on my heart and mind this morning. I need to tell them about Jesus. Our Father, prepare hearts, prepare our hearts that we might be faithful to you. Pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.